0: So, I, I began many of my classes, or all of my classes, with this question why are these people listening to this music at this time in this place? Which yeah, is yeah, a construction from uh, Christopher Small, mm-hmm. a uh, late British uh, musicologist. And, uh, you know, people come to, class, to a music class, say, in a, on a college campus, and believing, oh, I, I'm going to get my likes reinforced. instead of saying, I am going to learn how music is the perfect index for how people or what people and who people believe they were at a certain time and place. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so it's not that I'm trying to talk people out of what their personal biases are.
1: Today's episode of the Record Spinner Podcast is brought to you by Tide Notes. Have you ever needed a quality musician for an engagement or an event or service and you struggled to find one? If so, you're not alone and now there's a solution. Visit Tide Notes if you're a person looking to locate a musician for your event or if you're a musician looking for more opportunities in your area to showcase your talents and skill sets all you got to do is visit the link in the description below to get started so look i want to i want to formally introduce you before we get into this um the record spinner podcast welcome to another episode of the record spinner podcast Uh, i'm your host leon and uh yes i am quite used to saying that now at this at this level uh, at this stage um doc i had a uh, had a name change in the in the show briefly so yeah that's why you see noel at the bottom of the screen i was noel for a little bit now leon that's my government name so long story there anyway welcome to another episode i am honored i am thrilled i am so humbled to have with us today Uh, an academic, if I can call it that. You know, I mean, a musologist, and please correct me if I say anything wrong, Musologist, composer, a musician, pianist. Uh, This guy uh, has laid the foundation, laid the groundwork, a part of the groundwork uh, that is so important to all of us music heads. Dr. Guthrie Ramsey.
0: It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Leon, for that warm introduction. And uh, although I love the word, Musologist. I'm going to have to adopt that and maybe write a song (laughs) (laughs) titled that. But we, we typically say music college.
1: Music musicologist okay yeah. I, I look i was struggling i was struggling with that one i was like okay music college I, that shows i'm not an academic i'm so sorry but yeah we could call you musicologists. so one more time i want to hear it from you so i, I make sure i get it right? musicologist music music college. got it but musicologist works for me <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, musicologist how do how you put
1: it <laughs> well look uh i i don't want to i don't want to take too much time here i do want to talk to you about a lot here we may even have to run this into a two-part series is what i was thinking initially because some of the questions you know i i know you have amazing answers for these and so i want to start with just saying really quick uh you have an amazing book of essays that just recently dropped in october if i'm correct right yep yes and it's called who here hears and it's I mean, I, I have gotten a good length through it, and it's just, I, I'm telling you, uh, the way you talk about music relates uh, to me, and I'm sure it relates to so many other um, out there who, uh, who find music in all facets, this spiritual piece, this, this this physical component. Like, we approach music in a very, you take it serious and, and it, it, it speaks to your, your writing. I love the way you write. It's very personable. It's a story you're telling. You're not essentially just giving us, even in these essays, you're not just giving us just cold hard facts about music, which you totally could do, but you're giving us some, you're giving us some, some, some meat and potatoes to your personal story. So let's start at the beginning of your personal story. How about that? Uh, you grew up in Chicago, am I correct in saying that?
0: I was born in Chicago and raised in the greater Chicagoland area. And, uh, I lived there, uh, until I was, uh, until 1989, when I, uh, moved away to, uh, pursue my, uh, graduate studies in music.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now, so. I have a lot of questions about that because Chicago is known for its arts. It's known for its beauty. It's the, the people there. I mean, there bar none, of course, just like all major cities, we got our issues, right? I'm here in DC. I can tell you a million things about DC and, and and good and bad. Right. But how do you think that's shaped? Because one of the interesting pieces about your introduction is that you decided to stay in Chicago as a musician and you decided to, to, to continue school while also gigging around Chicago. How does this shape uh, who you are as a person, who you are as a musician? How do you think the great Chicagoland area does that?
0: Well, first of all, what I try to do in the the introduction of these uh, essays is to talk about how this very specific culture of uh, what we call black up south culture Mm -hmm. shaped me. (laughs) Because I was the product of a uh, of a migration culture from the deep south to mm-hmm. the north, mm-hmm. and so consequently, I was always uh, sort of in dialogue, particularly in Chicago, mm-hmm. because of the migration patterns from Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. There was a certain sensibility that came up, and uh, consequently, uh, coming up in the uh, you know beginning school in the. The mid '60s and then um, on into the the '70s, I was uh, in close contact and shaped by some of these black migrants who um, were passing their sensibilities and things and their priorities along to the next generation, Mm -hmm. together with all of the standard uh, things that one learns as a a young child. You know, the the math and geometry and, and all of that. We got a strong dose of this Southern based blues culture. So I think that really shaped how I hear music, what I expect out of it, what I, um, and you know, some of the things I talk about is started there. So that's, you know, that's, that's my formation.
1: Yeah. You you mentioned this in the intro to, to, in the opening for, for your, for your book of essays and you mention also the relationship with the church this is something that is so fascinating to me because when i look around and i look at some of my favorite musicians of all time and my some of my most fa- my favorite musicians who are still active to this day one of the through lines is the church we don't give enough credit to i think the the church and its uh, shaping a lot of our our favorite musicians be it being such a bedrock of where musicianship starts. You talk about instruments in schools. It was a, a little joke I saw you, you throw at the beginning. You grew up with instruments in the classroom. But do you think that relationship with the churches is a similar relationship of schooling for, for musicians? Or, or how do you think that sort of relates?
0: Well, absolutely. Because let's just start with the, uh, the first point is that uh, within the, the the black churches that I experienced, coming up, music was central. Music mm-hmm. was important. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the crucible of so many lessons, the crucible of so many uh, lifestyles and expectations uh, in, in within song. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, on the one hand, you have the didacticism of the sermon or the prayer or something like that, which is a, certainly a, a language that uh, one picks up on and gets lessons from. But what about the sonic information that comes from the music? What are we learning? And so, yeah, that's very, very important in the in the church. Now, how that affects uh, this uh, broad uh stream of of musicality that you experienced among uh uh, many musicians is that there were opportunities Mm -hmm. to play so a it's very important to have the music in the church and then consequently uh cultivating musical experiences for not only the uh congregations but the children Mm -hmm. and and visitors is a, a very very serious uh business So what do you do when you're a young person coming up in that? You learn what the priorities are. You learn that music is something that will change the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You learn that the musicians are often held in a kind of position of authority Mm -hmm. and a position of respect. Um, You can uh, fall in love and get crushes on people who are very musical. <laughs> you know, all this is happening in the church. You don't think, you think, you know, when I hear people separate the, the uh, you know, this quote unquote sacred and the secular, yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. well, no, no, people are getting busy in church too. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of times music is mediating a lot of that. Yeah. And so all I'm saying is all of the life stuff that happens outside the church is also happening within the church, <laughs> but it's about uh, people being you know indoctrinated i mean that in the, the positive sense into a you know ways of viewing the you know life let's yeah. put it that way no
1: mm-hmm. no that's that's a great answer that's a great answer and speaking of uh you know some of the things that i think uh influenced you in in your early and in, in your early formation as a musician and i don't want to shy away from that we will talk about your musical efforts also. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm really just fascinated with this page-turner of essays, so I wanna stay on here for a little bit. But what was some of your early, so, t- some, to name some of the guys, right? Like you named Oscar Peterson, wanting to be sort of like him in the beginning, like, I, Oscar Peterson. I had a. I had to ask you that question.
0: Well, one of the things that uh, I learned when I became uh, had aspirations in in uh, instrumental uh, music was that uh, virtuos- virtuosity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was uh, a prized uh, uh, possession. It was something that one stro- you know would strive for. So. I would say that Oscar Peterson was one of the uh, profound technicians that really struck me when I was beginning to uh, learn how to play jazz and, and wanted to aspire to be, you know, one of the cats, as we say. Yeah. And uh, you know, just, and not only that, there's the apprenticeship model in in, in a lot of the musics that I talked about and have uh, participating in, it's about... Uh, people directing you to the musician you need to listen to. Mm. Directing you to someone that you need to, quote unquote, study with, even though out. you've never met them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you just become deeply uh, immersed in their uh, creative output. And you try to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you try to imitate, yeah. you try em- to- Emulate. Emulate, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, I
1: know a few big words, that I I'm kidding, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no no but that's that's great I, I noticed that i noticed that in the beginning when when you said oscar peterson enough people don't throw out his name as a as an amazing pianist i think sometimes I'm, that that acts just so many greats on that axe right so it's you know it's one of those things where you can draw your top five your top 10 you know but you know you're gonna leave off somebody important more, more than likely with that axe so it's it i just wanted to throw that out as a quick little shout out but um but it's interesting. So are you a fan of physical music before we get into some of your musical stuff? Physical music? Yeah, like vinyl. Vinyl music, vinyl records. Oh,
0: okay. Analog. Oh, yeah, boy, analog. I'm yeah, my, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm turning back around, you know. Uh, I'm personally, uh, this, you might, your, your listeners might find this fascinating, is that uh, my, uh, my life's journey has always been shaped by music. So there was a point in my life that I talk about in my first book Race music mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. i became uh involved in a church sect where the music was just on fire was the church of god in christ it was mm-hmm. like the font of so much funk that <laughs> you just you know you just had to you know get dropped off into it And uh-huh. then, of course if you're in the in the mix you're going to take on a lot of the um, the uh you know the doctrines and things like that and one of the things that they were talking about is that you couldn't listen to secular music you know which was you know uh and just being a young person at that time Mm -hmm. i I took everything you know probably more literally than i should have and so i had this uh, uh, you know amazing lp collection and some of it i i gave a lot of it away but i i actually squirreled some away (laughs) You know, <laughs> like I was hiding it from Jesus.
1: <laughs> oh man! So where where did you bury your treasure? <laughs> you know, right, you know, just right in the trunk. Okay. Nothing dramatic. Look, you open your trunk and you see you see a random Al Green record. And you just shut it real quick. <laughs> you didn't see anything. <laughs> well,
0: anyway, so I'm I'm back to collect, adding to that LP collection right. because you know. Uh, I actually inherited my father's, uh, Beautiful. you know, LP collection and I, in the Nas essay, I talk about my son who was an aspiring beat maker, mm-hmm. uh, discovering my father's LP collection That's and how, awesome. That's awesome. you know, and then, you know, uh, Nas has Ogudara, his father playing with the, uh, with him on that uh, Illmatic song. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, just kind of built an essay out of this intergenerational pattern of, of music sharing, you know? Yeah, so I'm definitely into the LPs now. I think I just got a Don Cherry, uh, um, um, lp and i i go shopping for used things all the time
1: awesome awesome you said don cherry that's great what did you get Uh, i'm curious now
0: it's on my shelf back there i don't want to okay it's fine it's fine
1: um yeah don cherry that's that's a giant right there his name speaking of people's names who don't get brought up a lot um probably because he got into he was he got into the futuristic more more spacey stuff. Uh, I like to call it spiritual myself, but, um, but, you know, he sort of got, he went out there after, you know, he found his chops and everything. And I think some of those musicians or Nat Coleman in the same light, you know, sort of get washed up when you think about, you know, the, cause I I think where we are now with the records, and I don't know if you're well-versed with the community, but we've sort of, it it, it sort of does this weird cyclical thing and it stops at certain places. And so where we are now, is I think a lot of the, the kids, quote-unquote right us um and when we're going back and looking through the records we're collecting a lot of the we're going back to bebop now we're going that far back so it's like you know everyone's getting a, a turn on this on this uh cycle here so it's great but you know once it comes back around to you know that that uh i like to call it esoteric right uh once it comes back to that stuff then of course you know uh, you know don's gonna be right up there with us so um so i want to know about your first book you you mentioned it just now race music i haven't gotten around to to getting that that is going to be on my list though once we get off this call because that's what they used to call jazz am i correct in in that assumption yeah so so tell me a little bit about that that book and and when it came out and and what was your intent behind putting that out exposing that well
0: Well, that book came out in 2003, so next year will be its 20th anniversary. I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do with it. And it sort of put me on the map in musicology, It was my first statement. And uh, what I did with that book is to conduct interviews with my uh, family of origin and uh, from uh, second cousins who were like the the children of my first cousins all (laughs) the way up to a 100-year-old great aunt. Wow. who remembered uh, being in the race riots in, ni- in 1919 in Chicago. Wow. And she was a migrant from Alabama. And so what I was trying to do was build a theory of, of Black music criticism that would be able to at once address some of the more academic theories that were being uh, talked about at that time together with what I'm calling an auto uh, ethnography or a, um, a kind of delving into an, the archaeology of knowledge that produced me as a music critic and musician, and, and try to get those two things to live together in a book. So consequently, the book tries to explain uh, black popular music from about the night the mid 1940s all the way up into the hip-hop era mm. of the of the 90s which is where I stopped
1: gotcha gotcha now uh, here talking about hip-hop and we mentioned this earlier uh with you blending those things and why is that important to you because I, I know why it's important to me to make sure that that bridge stays connected but why is that an important thing for you
0: Well, as a musician, I'm always curious about what people are doing, and uh, you never want to be, or I never wanted to be, quote-unquote, behind Mm -hmm. and uh, dismissing out of hand huge swaths of uh, of creativity. Uh, That's one reason. Another reason is that I was an educator for many years, and there's absolutely no way that you're going to make a... uh, the kind of impression that one wants to make on young people if you dismiss what they're into you have to find the bridges and that's what i think was my superpower is being able to get students to invest in what i was talking about historically because it helped them understand what they were finding compelling in their own musical choices
1: Mm, that's so powerful now is it difficult we all know about the samples right in hip-hop that's a that's that's the that's the obvious one at this day at this juncture right the the samples going back and 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 looping up a record finding the best best parts of a record and and, you know sampling that right but is it tougher especially now that we're sort of deviating from the the sample heavy music is it tougher to sort of make that connection to jazz or is there other are there other ways to to make that that work
0: well i think about some of the uh, music that's out. You know, I do have an essay in the book on Robert Glasper's Black Radio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think is coming up on maybe the 10th uh, anniversary. Uh, Yeah, I think 10.
1: I think it's 10. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I remember when that dropped, I was doing the history of jazz course. Mm-hmm. And everybody that I knew of the younger jazz musicians uh, uh, were Extremely excited about that project, and I was teaching a history of jazz course. And you can't—it's a bad idea to ignore what's dropping all around you. <laughs> it, it really is.
1: Even some of it that you don't like, you know. <laughs> yeah. right? it's,
0: just, it's just a bad plan yeah. to want to be relevant and you know interesting to people, and not act as if this history of jazz that I was teaching was being made in the present. Mm-hmm. As Mm -hmm. I was speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why not start there? And that little piece started out as a a lecture because uh actually Robert Glassford was about to uh come to uh World Cafe Live down the street and I Mm -hmm. taught like three blocks away from that place and I knew people had tickets and I had my ticket, so I'm thinking, okay, let me break this down, listen to it, break it down Mm -hmm. and try to find the connections, even though you don't have to force the connections they're they're always there. Yeah. Now, what I one of the things that I think connects uh, the uh the hip hop that is most prevalent uh these days is the kind of cyclic nature mm-hmm. of the accompaniment that you're mm. essentially uh dealing with a music that is based on a loop. And even if it's uh obeying verse, chorus, structure, bridge structure, Mm -hmm. these uh, forms or sections of this form are created within the same cyclic pattern. Mm -hmm. And that is related to so many other uh, musical forms that everybody uh, claims is superior, like (laughs) rhythm changes in in jazz or 12 bar blues patterns Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that, that everybody's, you know, believing that this this is our culture yeah. and this is not our culture, but it, it's not really uh, based on a, uh, what's going on in the music formally, what conventions are being drug around, what, uh, what rhetorics or sonic rhetorics are you actually hearing in the music that may relate to something that came out years before and of course as the musicologist that's my job is to get you to hear those connections and then uh, you know actually kind of uh, if I can say it fuck up how people yeah
1: you can say that <laughs> you
0: know how what conceptions they're bringing to the table when they're you know being closed minded about some of these things
1: that sounds like beautiful work and so let's go there for a second musicologist am I saying it right I, I do know. <laughs> I keep saying this word wrong <laughs> music college. musicology musicology okay let's talk about this for a brief bit because this is important work so in shaping and deconstructing folks expectations around music uh what do you find is the most common expectation in music if there is one uh, just to you know show to sort of answer that perennial question in my head so
0: throughout my years of teaching the uh the most persistent question or issue that comes up is that people believe that one has to like something in order to understand its profundity or its power for others. Mm. So I I began many of my classes, all my classes with this question, why are these people listening to this music at this time in this place, which is uh, construction from uh, Christopher Small. Mm-hmm. a uh, late british uh, musicologist and uh you know people come to class, to a music class say in a, on a college campus and believing oh i i'm going to get my likes reinforced <laughs> instead of saying Ciao. i am going to learn how music is the perfect index for how people or what people and who people believe they were at a certain time and place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I'm trying to talk people out of what their personal biases are. I'm trying to get them to understand that what feels personal to them has is enmeshed in this larger system of culture and social and historical, you know, discourses that you could tease out, understand, and before you know it, you're in there speaking to the dead mm. about what it is they believe they uh, were doing in the world based on what music they left behind.
1: Whoa, Oh, that's that was heavy. That was that last part. You, you caught me on that one uh i've watched an interview i've watched a few of your interviews and some and and you, you speak about and so i'm going here because you said the dead you speak about our ancestors you speak about their their importance in in the livingness of the music right we we carry these folks i i believe this i've mentioned this many times on on our show on the show here um you know these folks aren't aren't gone they're they're in because of uh, the legacy that they left behind. They're they're with us all the time. Um, so, is there anything you want to add to that? Being that you you know I've seen I've heard I've heard you talk about this a few times. I've seen you know your 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 thoughts on this, and, and I, I happen to agree one hundred percent with them.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I'm always uh, thinking about even uh, in my in my own life as I have raised children who were uh, musicians at one time over another, and as I take my grandchildren to cello lessons and, and violin <laughs> lessons, you know, I, yeah pushing the point yeah i don't mind (laughs) singing.
1: hey let me tell you something i know this isn't going to be a video but you you're you do not look a day over 38 sir so i'm telling you that now (laughs) (laughs) eat
0: eat, eat your spinach (laughs) spinach. i'm
1: sorry to take you off that thought though (laughs) that's okay
0: well and uh, so if i'm so obsessed with that if I'm so obsessed with uh, this idea that I'm going to plant something in people so that when they uh, when they hear this or hear that, that they think of something I said or, or, or that, why wouldn't I think that the ancestors were doing the same thing? Hmm. In fact, one of the uh, most powerful lessons I've learned from music history is that this music was always a uh, a respite a secret hiding place, mm-hmm. a place where people could be fully human. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was the uh besides literacy, uh, it was the most common way that people began to believe that black people in this uh in this nation were fully human. Mm. And we weren't waiting for that. Verdict to come in from without the culture. Yeah. We were always saying that we are human and we matter and we love and we have joy and we have pain mm-hmm. and we have everything that everybody else has in this uh, in in this society. But we have to express it in a way that will not get us killed.
1: Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, is there any decade, any generation? where you feel like so this is sort of two-pronged i guess this question black music its stream of importance is felt through various eras generations years right but is there any for me i'll tell you so is there any 10 year span 10 year window where you feel like black music is most important for me i've always felt and it's it's an uneducated feeling of course but it's it's one that you know is i think it's backed by certain you know key dates and figures and whatever but 1962 to like 1979 is probably one of my favorite spans of time right Uh, for black music is there anything that you can say is sort of in your expert opinion And, and i know that you know yours is subjective and a little bit objective as well in the same breath but is there any you get where my question is going, is there? I, I, I actually Sorry. Do. <laughs> okay. If, well,
0: I don't tend to think of uh, in superlatives when it comes to music like mm. that or mm. zoning in. I've just had mm-hmm. too many, uh, too many things. I can talk about me personally. Okay. You know what? Sure. You know, sure. personally, moves me is that I, I really like that era that you you just named. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's and uh, let's let's talk about why. Uh, you and I, uh, two people who uh, value the culture, value um, uh, the, and recognize the power of the, this music, would find that those that particular frame mm-hmm. uh, uh, time frame uh, powerful. Let's think about it. Well, first of all, let's go genre by genre.
1: Let's do it.
0: Okay, with. Uh, uh, in the 19, early 1960s, we had the kind of birth of a truly Black popular music mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. designed to be a Black popular music, and that is the Motown uh, yep. stuff yep. that was built instrumentally by jazz musicians mm-hmm. who were taken into the studio yeah, and, yeah. and given arrangements that will give you just a hint of blues, the facility of a jazz musician, but honed down to have a simple statement, a hook, baby, baby, where did I love go? (laughs) Your love is like a heat wave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stop in the name of love. The entire hook could be said in a few syllables. Yeah. Okay. And therefore repeatable and therefore knowable by the end of that three minutes. OK, so mm-hmm. you have that being uh, an agenda and right at the, the, the in the middle of the civil rights movement where we were talking about integration. So you have the quote unquote a literal sound of integration
1: yeah.
0: being uh, uh, created within that movement. Let's think about jazz. OK, from 1959, uh, when we had the birth of free jazz, which caused us to think. Uh, not the birth of it, but the uh, kind of the ascendance, let's yeah. call it, yeah, yeah. of of free jazz, where you, it became clear that this uh, musical style was going to forever bloom into these new constellations. Mm-hmm. Okay, and which was ra- you know, almost uh, uh, immediately followed by the wedding of electronic instruments with this thing called jazz, which created a whole new fusion of things. So you have in that concept, in that framework, you have uh, two or three uh, new generic codes emerging Mm -hmm. from jazz itself.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Now you just think about uh, what was going on internationally. You have Bob Marley, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, actually making a, a, a a profound diasporal statement Mm -hmm. at that time so I could go on and on about all of the proliferation of styles that occurred between that time. And then you you add in what was going on with the corporations Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and how they were reconfiguring themselves to uh, separate more and more people from their money, including, you know, in order to, you know, be a part of this, this musical thing and and trying to. Get the musicians to not be paid. (laughs) You have a whole bunch of action going on. Yeah. Yeah. In that that context, that would make the music, see, and the music is not only going to reflect those times, it's Mm -hmm. going to be an encapsulation of those times. It's going to participate in all of the social views that people were coming away with during this kind of, from the civil rights to the post-civil rights era. So that I mean that's why that that moment is is just so profoundly interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot going on, a lot going on in that moment, and and it speaks to that. And I think for younger cats, I'm gonna throw you and me both in this category. I mean, you early '60s, you weren't you weren't around either, right? So you know, uh, for you us know, to actually go. Actually, I was. I was born in 1958. Oh, get out! Oh, wow, wow. Well, I, apologies, my apologies, but. But for us to look back, right? Uh, I think that that tells the tale, right? We, because we get that history lesson in school, right? Where we we learn about those those '60s, the tumultuous '60s, and and what happens in those '60s, right? We we learn about you know what what goes on to happen in the '70s as well, and sort of those fiery decades, right? Like especially for Black folk right? We're we're wanting a lot of things. Some of us want inclusion and, and separation. Some of us want total integration. Some of us want to go back to Africa. Some of us want to, want to go back south. Some of us want to go up north. There's so much going on. And I think that you saying that sort of like definitely turns the light on. Like, that's what it is. We're all chasing when we look back. Sometimes it's like, we knew the time. There was a lot going on. And the music says that. Every genre almost says, it says the same thing, right? Absolutely. Perfect. That's perfect.
0: And, and- And then what was also going on, which is, I think, supremely important, is that when uh, integration becomes part of the music business, Mm -hmm. then there are many more opportunities for musicians to to put their work out there. Mm -hmm. Even if it was uh, being exploited, at least the uh the we have the the musical objects left behind that tell even that part of the story
1: Mm. Mm. speaking of exploited do we in your line of work do we get into sort of the exploitive nature sometimes that we can especially looking back that music can be do we do we touch that as as music as music gonna mess this up as a musicologist do, do do you all touch that um is this something that has gone over is this something that is sort of you know high level where does that rank in 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 the terms do we look at like exploitation and and artists looking because that's something that's very big to me is it, it also fits into that line of my favorite decade right of music in the late 60s you get independent jazz labels that pop up all over the place um, this is a sort of a new stride. It starts with uh, Gigi Grice, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and that sort of starts in the, in the 50s where he's teaching people how to own their own publishing and then sort of go at it that way. Um, but, you know, it becomes this new wave. And and so I think folks start to feel ownership of art is important. Ownership over their their, their piece of art is important. Uh, is, is this something that is covered or, or glossed over in, in your line of work?
0: Uh, it's definitely covered. Gotcha. Uh, there's no way one can uh, talk about people who were in fact themselves commodities mm-hmm. and, and not talk about how the things that created under those conditions and even after that condition ended and mm-hmm. the, uh, the resonances remained that you can not talk about you know exploitation and uh the social arrangements the uneven social arrangements mm-hmm. under which this these objects were made mm. it becomes part and parcel of of the object it becomes part of the object's story is that it was you know created under certain social conditions
1: So one of my final questions about the the book, um, what is your hope and what are you hoping for readers to get out of out of this?
0: Well, I'm hoping that they will get that the study of music is a, a serious game. And that if we understand the history of the music, we can not only understand our present conditions, but we can also affect the future for the uh, the next generation, and I, I think all of that is uh, within the the scope of Black music historical study.
1: Beautiful. I mean, and and not to besmirch or make light of but i really like your writing i don't typically like academic writing you know when I, when I see when i see academic books i'm like going the other way right like i graduated college 10 years ago now so it's like yeah i'm done with the textbooks like that's i'm good on that right but you're yeah you know, like it's it's over., uh, but you know, I, I really think that you know your your writing style it, it lends, like I said, that storytelling narrative and it, it it's it, it keeps you turning the pages. And so like I'm moving through this and I'm learning stuff about the music that you're talking about and that the the, the stuff that you're you're mentioning, but I'm also learning the perspective that you have. and I think hearing that keep it keeps the pages turning, right' hearing that perspective also.
0: I, I really love that, uh, that, because if, you know, if you're not communicating, then, uh, then what are you doing? Uh, I have a question for you. If, if it's okay. No, sure. Go for I, it. <laughs> yeah. I have a, uh, I have a song called who hears that I'm about to drop mm-hmm. and I would love to play it for you.
1: Yeah. So we're going to get into some talking about your music, by the way. So that's great. That was a great segue. Um, as a pianist yourself and and i I don't know if i neglected to mention pianist at the top of you being a musician uh at the top of our conversation but what are some of the challenges uh that you find in being a musician like especially sort of wearing two hats with the academia and, and then and then musicianship like do you find that it's challenging doing both or you know we could answer that when you get everything cute if you want but
0: I've always found that um, that you can inform your scholarship with your music mm-hmm. and you can inform your music with your scholarship. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, this uh, track that I'm about to play for you, who hears uh, was uh, commissioned I commissioned this from a rapper uh, uh, chemist okay who is a a, a philadelphia-based rapper and uh i wanted to do a house you know uh track mm-hmm. because you know uh beyonce and uh drake this past yeah yeah they did that and I, <laughs> yeah and, you know, know and i'm thinking like hey you know i was around for the first one and, br- and bringing <laughs> it
1: bringing it back into the forefront right i mean i'm i'm not a big yeah, house yeah. fan i'm gonna be completely honest but, yeah. but, you know, bringing that back into the forefront, is a, it is a very important piece of the story of black music. And we sometimes, you know, forget that uh, also. So, you know, we sort of give that to like, you know, the EM crowd or, you know, the, the new party goers or whatever. But like all that stuff rests on the back of, of black music as well. It's, it's, it's a continued through line as well. so yeah.
0: Absolutely. And it's really about, again, what you were noticing in my book about, thinking about conversations between the genres. Mm, mm. So you can listen to this piece, it's a house track at its core, okay. but there you'll hear jazz elements, you'll hear gospel elements, you'll hear that some of that Chicago funk coming through too. You know? So <laughs> nice. I'm always thinking about the uh, musical object as being a dynamic thing. Now okay. the story behind this is that uh, this uh, artist, chemist, uh, had been reading my work as a, a young man since he was a teenager mm. and he believes it shaped how he approaches uh, his rhyme and his flow because he is one of the most astute, you know, readers and, and artists that I've encountered. Mm. So I thought it would be great to to try to get a collab going. And uh, cool. we got a, uh, uh, a producer, Dave Hackley here in the, um, Okay. in Philadelphia, collaborated nice. with us. And then uh, my uh, constant musical collaborator, uh, Wavy Wilson, uh, mm-hmm. did the mix and backgrounds. My daughter, Bridget, who I record with, is uh, singing background. So, Awesome. it's a family
1: affair okay yeah, so <laughs> all right i like that reference too yeah. uh, it's only
2: right that i show you myself and the dance gonna tell you about the rain you know the feet gonna kick up all the dirt and the dirt gonna tell you about the pain and the sound only permeates the world cause we rolled on so many of its waves from a land where they can barely hear the one by the 12 balls and the blues from which i came black in the stories of my blood and the war for my kind of have a say on the plane where most in the rooms told our stories through the white gaze so who here is the art of the east who translate the sound on the page to break through with the truth they avoided for so long as to bring the world. time give organized sound and face. Know why the groove had arrived. Know why we dance in this place. This ain't inferior to none. a back troops and try to escape. I come from the spiritual song, and all that jazz made us away. They say we ain't hard and we ain't great. Now look at what I forced academia to say. My unapologetic attitude couldn't be erased. Contributed to the way that musicology was shaped. Just felt in the streets and in the Ivy Leagues. You can't deny the facts. It makes you feel the way the music touches, so it's no time to waste. So get up and move inside this new day. Why the songs of time?
1: incredible that was that was really dope everything hey, thank you every you so everything you said was in there i i heard it like that that's <laughs> like i'm like oh wow like i, I hear the gospel notes right i hear i hear that i hear the jazz notes i hear the i hear the uh, the dance influence right like that was not just a a, a one pocket song at all like that was very busy and it was very nicely done though very polished too which is good uh amazing Great, great stuff. And I'm not just saying that here. you see you see the smile. I'm like, whoa, hey. man, that was dope.
0: That was dope. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And so that's and and that illustrates for me the this this the dialogue between the scholarship and the the hmm. making you know, creating the music, that yeah. it can be a, a beneficial uh, relationship. I had to learn how to do that because, mm-hmm. you know, you fall into musicology. It's really not about your um, your performance ability, really. It's mm-hmm. about your analytical ability, mm-hmm. uh, mostly in your writing ability, meaning mm-hmm. prose and, uh, you know, honing know, those honey crafts. But, you uh, uh, the The more I stayed in the game, the more I, I had something that I wanted to say as an individual and I th- thought the best way to do that is just to show them rather than talk about it.
1: Mm. I love it I love it before uh, I let you go here because i I, I want to keep things in a in an hour pocket and we're we're vastly approaching up uh, on that time here it says on my watch but um who are some of your inspirations writing wise and they could be academic. You know who? Who are some of those people who you look to writing-wise, and you say, "I gotta live up to. Th- I gotta live up to that." Well, my
0: first uh, writing uh, mentor was my dissertation advisor, Richard Crawford. Mm-hmm. I love his writing and, and its clarity and its focus on historiography. Mm-hmm. I love James Baldwin. Great guy. With the uh, the clarity, the kind of moral compass, and the clarity is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, thank you for asking that. Uh, not too many people ask. They always ask about the musical influences, <laughs> but not the uh, the literary you know influences. Uh, yeah, I, and uh, there's so many things I I like about uh, the work of the feminist musicologist uh, Susan McClary. Mm-hmm. I love her 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 way of describing how sonic syntax uh, can uh, purvey meaning. I, I really love that that uh, stuff. And I have to say, uh, my wife's work, uh, Kelly Jones. Um, Shout out, to his wife. A, yeah, yeah. Her art. She's an art historian and curator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love her uh, how how clear her writing is and the political focus of it mm-hmm. and i think ultimately um one of the most powerful influences on me has been uh the work
1: of amiri baraka mm, i know you're going to say that based on your your short your essays so and, and you, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great that's great you can't miss with any of those um and and i'm talking about the the big names i know of course i have to brush up on some of those but but yeah, for sure. And it's important. Those influences are important to sort of shape and guide and keep our work honest to keep it going, right? We always we, we all need something to live up to and, and someone to inspire us. So it's important. I wanna ask you one last question though, and, and that question sort of doubles back on the the question I asked earlier about why musicology a lot of times, and, and I'm gonna be completely frank, we leave certain things in in like the technical or academia world, we we sort of l- lend that to, to white voices, and we trust those over sort of our own when it, when we when it comes to describing and, and disseminating or excavating, right? To use an archaeologist's term, uh, our own work, our own past. Uh, why is it important for you in particular to do this work?
0: Well, I've always believed in the the dignity of uh, of black life, and. I always wanted to be someone who would uh, promote that aspect of our culture, mm-hmm. the, the thing that like deals deep into our struggles and uh, not ignore the pain, but to think about the victories and the triumphs as being uh, important. I think the creative spirit uh, that is it has been a part of African-American life. Is uh, one of the main reasons that we're still here today. Hmm. And uh, I always wanted to make sure that that was in the mix, Mm -hmm. in the public discourse, in the classrooms, so that everyone, you know, I never thought that my courses were just for African American students. You know, I wanted to make sure that the, uh, the international community. Of people were listening to and uh, understanding how relevant this history was to their own lives, particularly because they were enamored with the musical products of that yeah. life.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a great answer. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure, sir. Um, and I've again, I can't. After this call, I'm going to finish. I, I gotta get race, race. Uh, what is it called? Race music. Yes. I, i'm gonna get that that's gonna be in my shopping cart can i get it on like amazon or something like that where would you prefer that i uh, people get these these books? i i
0: have no no uh preference you know no preference i mean find a, a nice independent bookstore where you get all of your fine like books it. how about that i love that
1: i love that because we support local independent record stores here too so go there and get your music go there and get your vinyl and uh go there and get your books go get some uh some great reads uh by the doc, by Dr. Ramsey. Um, It again, I have I've really enjoyed your perspective um, in talking to you person to person, virtually, of course. Um, I've really gained some insights in this conversation as well as in your in in your works. Um, I really appreciate you and and all that you do for for our music and our community. So uh, thank you.
0: I'm I'm deeply honored and I'm deeply touched by your words. I want to follow you on, uh, social media. How do I do that?
1: Oh yeah. Well, uh, and I want people to follow you. Uh, so yeah, let's do the, the social plug and that, that for me, it's a uh, rebirth of the cool that is on IG and, and, uh, we can also follow me on Twitter there too. I don't really post on Twitter though. So you probably shouldn't follow me, but whatever. If you want to follow me there, you can follow me there. Um, everything else is the record spinner, uh, podcast. Uh, and so you can find me on i g. you have an i g page for the podcast as well. um building that up currently because you know i I use my my uh, personal i g right now for the podcast as well. so um, but other than that, uh, questions, concerns, comments, all that stuff, you guys know how to get at me. It's the record spinner podcast at gmail dot com. If you want to get in touch with a good doctor here and ask some questions, there will be a follow up here. i I'm certain I wanna to keep in touch. Uh, I want us to to i mean, just you're an expert on on things that we talk about here on the show and so you know like that's it's an important voice to have at the table because me with all my opinions and and conclusions that i jump to sometimes i need i need to make sure hey like am i I right here Am am i on the right path here or am i not you know what i mean so so it's really really important it's
0: always good to hear opinions and to hear strongly felt uh, ideas about music because that's only the beginning of the conversation. Mm. You know, I don't have musical arguments because I find them pointless because uh <laughs> my my job is never to get people out of their square. It and if when I hear people express opinions that I don't necessarily, you know, vibe with, that's where my work really begins, because I want to understand why this person came to this conclusion. And I can only do that, you know, by asking questions yes. and then trying to understanding what is this, you know, as I said, that, that those opinions are always enmeshed in this larger social and cultural web and i have access to those so i just you know just do my homework but your your listeners can find me on uh instagram at ramsey music and on facebook at guthrie ramsey and if we are going to do twitter after next week let's hope it
1: it blasts. I did shout out Twitter, didn't I? <laughs> Even though that yeah. thing is crumbling by the by the day now. Um, let's yeah. let's leave the Twitter. <laughs> off, yeah, <okay>? yeah. <laughs> Forget Twitter yeah. <laughs> again, Doctor Ramsey. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, uh, and and thank you for joining us here on another great episode of the Record Spinner Podcast. Uh, this is you know. This is what we do, black vinyl music and all things around it, right? So it's, it's important. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Mm. Take care. Yes.